I was developing something else for tonight, and this morning I had about an hour of quiet time and just was hearing from the Lord and uh, just asking him to speak. And um, he started challenging me about my heart. And uh, for the, about the last three months, God's been just doing a crazy work in me personally. And I've just been having these open encounters with God. And I have in my notes on my phone, I have six months of messages that the Lord's given me just in the middle of the night or, or wherever, sometimes inconvenient places where I just stop a conversation and write something down. And so I was, one of the things that's happened to me is personally, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you on a little bit of a journey. This isn't, isn't about me tonight, but I want to kind of get you to understand where I'm coming from is the Lord has been expanding what, what, what I thought was expanding my capacity to love and be loved. And um, if you've ever been in a relationship, a healthy relationship, and that relationship grows and you learn more about each other and you progress in it, and how many of you have ever been in that kind of relationship where a year goes by and you think, wow, I didn't realize I could love this person this much a year ago? Or 10 years goes by. If you're around folks that are married for 50 years or 60 years, one of the things they always say is, is I love her or him more today than I did any year before this. And, and it's kind of hard to fathom how our heart, and, and go with me for a moment because I'm going to correct myself in a second, how our heart has the capacity to continue to expand its ability to both pour out love and to love. And if you think of your heart as a, like a bowl or a pitcher, it's like God's pouring in and we're pouring out and in, in the spiritual place and then in relationship with one another, we're pouring into each other and, and pouring out. And, uh, and, and I, I've had this just, I, I've at times in the last three months felt like I was having a heart attack, but not quite that way. Like somebody was standing on my chest, my heart beating, and I'm perfectly fine and healthy and there's nothing wrong with me. Um, but this just overwhelming feeling of God just arresting my heart. And I've been trying to put it into context and I've been super sensitive, not sensitive like, I can't believe you said that to me, just sensitive to the world around me, what people are experiencing and feeling. And, and, and so I, I was at an hour this morning where I was alone from 10 to 11. And I just asked the Lord that question. I said, Lord, what is it that's happening when we feel our heart expand? And it's talking to a friend of mine and, and discussing what that looked like. And I came to the conclusion that, that it wasn't my heart expanding. It was actually the, the hidden places of my heart that I have yet to discover. It's those wide open places that I have, have yet to allow um, God or his, his purpose or his word or, or in the natural and relationship person that I'm in a relationship, my wife, to, to, to get into, to experience for whatever reason. And so as, as I'm asking the Lord this question, I'm saying, Lord, what is it that makes me, now I know it's not expand my heart, but because the Bible says that he's giving us, he's replaced our heart of stone with a new heart when we become believers. Amen. And so if you've received Jesus, you've received a new heart. And so if we've received a new heart, I don't think God's going to give us something that's like not adequate to contain or hold what he has, right? Like it needs to expand. And so I'm like, Lord, you've got to show me this in the scriptures because I need to understand what is it you're trying to say? Because it was just 
The matter of the heart, the matter of the heart kept coming over and over and over again to me. So that's very ambiguous, I know, but I'm going to get somewhere very specific quickly here. So I started in 1 John 3.21, and um, let's look at that together. I'm going to look at it in two versions today. One is in the New American Standard Bible, and then I'm going to flip over to the mirror translation or the mirror Bible, which I've been using lately because it's absolutely phenomenal. You can buy it as an app on your phone. I think it's $5.99. It's not the entire Bible. It's part of the New Testament. He hasn't completed the, the entire New Testament. And what it is, is it's kind of like a combination between a study Bible and some other things. But what he's done is he's taken the ancient Greek in the New Testament and, and taken the context and the conjugation of those words and verbs and actually began to translate the New Testament so it's a little bit easier to understand without you doing your own word research in the Greek lexicon to actually understand what's being communicated. And so some scriptures that you might read before and go, I don't know, this doesn't seem right based on what I know about God. What is he trying to say here? Almost every time I find a scripture like that, when I go to the mirror translation and actually see what the Greek is and the context of it and all of that, I realize, no, this actually lines perfectly up with the nature of God. One of those scriptures for me that I've heard mispreached a bunch is this scripture here. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. This is an interesting scripture because if I asked every person in this room what this means, I would probably get uh, 200 different answers. It's kind of ambiguous, hard to understand. Okay, our heart, does our heart have the ability to condemn us and what is it that triggers our heart to condemn us? And how do we prevent our heart from condemning us so that we can have confidence before God? Those are the questions you begin to ask yourself when you read this question. And so I started doing some research into it. And I found that there's been a lot of messages preached on this scripture. And they've been preached actually the exact wrong way from actually looking at the original text. And so this is usually used to introduce mixture of the law and the message of grace. And it's usually used to introduce the idea that somehow you can violate this covenant with God or violate your heart and your heart will ultimately condemn you and that will separate you from God. And for those of you that have been around for the last little bit, you'll realize that that's basically the exact opposite of everything I've been saying ad nauseum, every message, every service. But this is the way the scripture is preached. But it doesn't line up with anything else that we read in the New Testament about the gospel of grace. Anything else. And so I went into the mirror translation, which you guys can get either a hard copy of on Amazon or you can get it on your phones. I highly recommend it and saw where they actually take the words and break down the Greek and tell you exactly what's going on here because this scripture is confusing. How many of you agree this is confusing? Okay, four of you. Thank you for being honest. All right. The rest of you are like, we've got this totally. I just tell my heart, don't condemn me. And it doesn't. No, I'm good. Okay, phenomenal. Um, it actually says this. It says, Beloved, when we know what God knows to be true about us, then instead of condemning us, our hearts will endorse our innocence and free our conversation before God. I'm going to read that again. Oh, I should put it on the screen. That's why I do this. 
Beloved, when we know what God knows to be true about us, then instead of condemning us, our hearts will endorse our innocence and free our conversation before God. Now, I'm going to break down that word free for you because it's pretty cool. But what this is ultimately saying, as we can read here, is it's not something that we do that causes our heart to condemn us. Actually, it's something that we don't do. And the don't do part of it is we don't actually listen to what God has to say about us. Because if we allow our hearts to become convinced with what God actually says about us, not what the world says, not what that mean preacher on television says, not what your mom or your daddy says, but what the God has said about you and your heart becomes convinced of it, what we know to be true about what God says about us, then instead of condemning us, our hearts are actually at liberty to endorse the, our innocence. Another word for, in, in, this trans, in a different translation is righteousness and free our conversation before God. That word free in the Greek is a, it's a preposition and actually indicates close proximity. To pour forth, to flow freely, suggesting an unreservedness in speech. Bold utterance. Now this is starting to make sense because we have all these scriptures that talk about the access that God's given us to boldly approach the throne. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And so now this is starting to make a little bit of sense. It's like, wait a second. It's not... It's not us doing something that causes our heart to condemn us. It's not us violating one of the laws that Jesus came to fulfill and pay the price for, but it's actually when we allow ourselves to step outside of the understanding of what God actually has said about us. If you follow me on Instagram or the church on Instagram, um, if you don't, God help you. I am fun to follow, all right? Last night I had a streaming baby. Uh, I wrote this a couple of uh, weeks ago in one of those moments where God was just pouring something out to me. And I said, we blame the condition of our country on people's lack of desire for God when re in reality, it's our lack of understanding of how much he desires us. If your heart will become convinced of how much God desires you, and his goodness and kindness poured out for you. Then you leave no room for your heart to condemn you. We remove, as I've been preaching on, we remove the opportunity for the voice of the accuser to step in and put accusation and shame upon our lives. And when you do that, then and only then can we have confidence before God. Does that make sense tonight? All right, so I read this scripture and I'm like, Lord, what is the connection here? How do we learn to expand? Of course, I'm going to throw that word out. How do we learn to, to open up our hearts when the world has lost all of my trust? When in relationship and maybe even your relationship with the church and maybe the way people have represented God, it has caused you to close down massive parts of your heart. Maybe they were never open. I was asking myself this question. I'm like, I joke around with you guys, and I don't mean this in any offensive way to any ladies that have experienced this, but I have felt like a woman going through menopause the last three months. No, it's not fun. I sweat. I get cold. I am sensitive. I am at times irritable. I, I'm not kidding you. It's, not, it's, it's all fine and dandy unless you're married to me, okay? And... and and I'm like, Lord, you are opening up these parts of my heart, and I don't know what to do with it. 
Because I haven't felt this. And I didn't know it was there. There were these hidden places. These secret places of my heart. So I'm talking to the Lord. And this is so crazy because oftentimes the Lord speaks something to me. I'm like, that sounds really good. But can I find it in the scriptures? Because off the top of my head, I don't have any leads. Right? So I'm not going to just say the Lord told me this and then leave it at that. But I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I've had an hour of quiet. Uh, I'll tell you, I was getting a massage this morning and I prayed to heaven that the woman would not talk to me. You know what I'm talking about? What do you do for a living? I usually say I'm a photographer. Because <laughs> I was at one time. I work at a funeral home. So she didn't say a word. <laughs> Nothing. Literally the entire hour. So I just literally sat there and just... Had, had my own internal conversation with God. And he said this to me. He said, you unlock the hidden places of your heart when there's a union between word and experience. I was like, well, that sounds good. But when I get out of here, you're going to have to show me where that is. And, and I was like, okay. And he was showing it to me in our natural relationships. So when I tell my wife I love her, and then I show her that I love her, with action and deed, then something grows between us and vice versa. And so I was like, okay, so combining the word and combining experience, the experiential part that I've been talking about, the taste and see that the Lord is good, that the goodness of God is an experience, not just the head knowledge, and they come together, then your heart and my heart begin to open up these wide open places that have not had access to before, right? And this lines up perfectly when we begin to read 1 John 3, 21. I know this is a little confusing, but just stay with me. It lines up perfectly in 1 John 3, 21 because it's talking about becoming convinced of what God says about us, his word, right? So I'm like, okay, Lord, show me where this is. Oh, do you know he did? You ready for this? By the way, I had to scrap my whole other message because I was like, this is what he wants me to say. And I finished this five minutes late as the band was waiting out here to sound check. So bear with me. First Peter 2, uh, 2 through 3 says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So we have the word. And then it says, And if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Check this out. All right? So I'm like, okay, let me see what this says in the Mirror Bible. So check this out. You guys are hopefully going to like this, and if not, act like it. Imagine how a newborn babe would crave nothing else but pure mother's milk in just the same way drink with total abandonment from the unmixed milk of the word. This is your true nourishment. Do you guys remember me preaching on mixture a couple weeks ago? So he's saying, if you take the pure, unmixed word, which is the new covenant gospel of grace, every time we see that same exact word, unmixed, here, milk of the word, this is your true nourishment, Verse 3, taking the unmixed gospel of grace, new covenant word, and once you have tasted, experienced pure grace, you are spoiled for life. Grace rules and the lordship of Jesus is established upon the dynamic of his goodness. Come on, that's good. 
Now, I know this isn't a message like Sunday where y'all are running around, but this is going to teach you something tonight. When we take the unmixed word, the new covenant gospel grace word, and combine it with the experience and tasting of the kindness of God, and we bring those two together, something begins to change in our heart. There is, there's places in our heart that begin to be accessed when we take what we know about God and we combine it with what we've experienced about God. And when those two things have a union together, something begins to change in our hearts. And I realize that that's what's been going on in my own life. The combination of what I knew with what I experienced. What I've learned in the Word and what I've experienced. And when those come together, I can tell you that I love you. I can tell you that I'm good to you. I can tell you that I want to be kind to you. But until you experience it, you're not going to trust me. You're not going to open up to me. Right? Same thing with God. So check this out. I'm going to, I'm going to take us a little bit deeper. Y'all with me? Now, let's go for a second to 1 Peter. We're just going to do 1 and 2 tonight. Sorry. Uh, 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1. You know how you know what chapter in 2 Peter? It's the only one, okay? <laughs> 2 Peter, chapter 1, I think. Is it the only one? Whatever. If it's not, rip out the other pages. They don't count. Simon Peter. Are you guys with me? So we're talking about the heart, talking about how we find and allow our hearts to come alive again. Because if you and I are being honest with each other, sometimes we just don't feel like anything's alive. H have you ever come to church before and people are freaking out and you're just like, I feel nothing. And I knew that when somebody would say something to me like that or I would see that person or I would experience this or I'd be put in that situation, I would feel something in here and I don't feel it anymore. There's something about our hearts coming alive again and allowing those places in our hearts that have been hidden and, and, and have never allowed anyone into them begin to open them up. And it's, it's this combination. So let's read this together. This is crazy here. So it says this. Simon Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, I, somebody said this. Uh, to me earlier, and uh, people get offended at this idea, but I thought it was pretty accurate. Unfortunately, a lot of the translations of the Bible are some of the most confusing, poorly written documents on earth. It poorly represents what God was trying to communicate. It has been, it has been translated, and if you read the King James, if you're a King James fan, sorry, I'm getting ready to slaughter it. It, 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 the King James, yeah, the King James Bible. It was it was translated and commissioned by a man on a mission to control his people, and he was using religion to do it. And so the man that he, the people that he hired to actually translate that Bible, were very very motivated to translate it in a certain way. And unfortunately, this has been the case throughout biblical history. And so until we really learn to go back to the ancient Greek, which this translation I'm getting ready to use has, we read something like this and we're like, okay, got this guy. He says to those who've received faith the same kind as ours, what does that mean? 
by the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of the Lord. What is this saying here? I don't know, right? Check this out. Let's start with verse one. I am Simon the Rock, bondman ambassador of Jesus Christ. We are in this together, and God's faith sees everyone equally valued and justified in Jesus Christ our Savior. Now, that's cool, because we're like, okay, God's faith sees all of us equal. He sees. That word sees, check this out. It means to be measured beforehand. To be allocated by allotment. Now what this means for us is it, this emphasizes the fact that it is nothing that we did or determined to achieve that had any influence on what God did to qualify us. So the measure for which he is pouring out, it says we are in this together, God's faith sees. That word sees means God's faith, go with me for a moment, has already allocated an allotment beforehand, not based on what you've done or how well you've behaved. Are you with me? He sees everyone equally valued and justified in Jesus Christ. Justification, righteousness, holiness, all these things that we've been tying together lately. Please stay with me. I know this is a deep word for a Wednesday night, but you got to stay with me. So the justification, the righteousness, the, the holiness that we receive through Jesus, not because we have earned it. He's saying, I equally see, I have already allotted a measure equal to humanity of the justification and the righteousness of heaven. And it has nothing to do with how good you behave. Yeah, at least somebody's honest around here, right? Thank you, God, that you did not look at my sin and mistake or my attitude the day you decided to allot the justification of heaven for my sin. That's, that's powerful. Now, verse 2. Oh, no, no. I want to read this to you. You guys ready to be tripped out? This is just unpacking and unraveling. This is like Bible school level stuff. Y'all can handle it. Just unpacking, unraveling this, this one verse. Faith is not something we do to persuade God, but faith is what happens to us when we realize how persuaded God is about us. Are you seeing this connection? Back to 1 John 3.21, that when we become persuaded of what God says about us, then our heart can no longer condemn us. So it says, faith is not something we do to persuade God. In other words, our faith is not, God, I'm trying to persuade you. Please do this for me. Please do this for me. Please do this for me. No, no. Faith is, I am convinced that you are persuaded on my behalf. I am convinced that your goodness and kindness and promises for my life are true. I am convinced that what you said is true. I'm not trying to convince you to be nice to me. Are you with me? Yeah. Let's be, let's be real. Modern religion is based around God, please be nice to me. I'll, do, I'll be a good boy. I won't do anything wrong. You will never catch my hand in the cookie jar again, God. Please. I drive the speed limit. I don't throw things at my wife on Tuesdays. Right? I, I'm a good boy. Right? Please, God, be nice to me. Be kind to me. He says, listen, I've already allotted the justification for your sins. I, I've, already, I've already equally valued you. 
This has nothing to do with you. My covenant was with me and my son, not between me and you. You can't validate something that I struck with my son. And I value you all the same. And faith is not trying to persuade me. Faith is believing that I'm persuaded about you. Faith is believing that my kindness towards you comes not from a place of measuring your performance, but comes from a place of what Jesus has done so that my kindness and goodness can be poured out on you without reservation. Are you with me tonight? I'm going to keep reading this. We're going deep. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going deep. This is not what we usually do on Wednesday night. Salvation belongs to everyone based on the exact same merit. Some more good stuff there. All right, let's go to verse two. So let's go back real quick because I don't want to miss you here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of, of God and of Jesus our Lord. So that's what it says in the New American Standard Bible. Okay, that's probably one that you, you if you're memorizing scripture, you probably, that's more recognizable. Let's see what it says here. God's desire is that we may now increasingly be overwhelmed with grace as his divine influence within us and become fully acquainted with the awareness of our oneness, the way he has always known us is realized in Jesus, our master. So his realization of how he knows us is not based on your account, on your rap sheet, on your rights and wrongs. He knows us based on the realization of who Jesus is. Come on. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to get excited about this. The lens through which he sees you is actually through Jesus. When grace and peace has been multiplied for for us through Jesus, it changes the lens for which God sees you. When the new covenant hit and grace was poured out, the dispensation of grace was poured out, when grace came down upon humanity, God no longer saw Dan Minor. He saw through the lens of Jesus. And through the lens of Jesus and his sacrifice for us, the realization of that, that's how he has begun to know me. So he doesn't see the one that owes a great price for his sin and mistake. He sees Jesus, the one who paid it all. And through that lens, he sees me. And that's why I am equally justified with anyone else. Come on, that's good. Y'all ready to be really tripped out now? This I have never, ever realized in my entire life. Let's go back. Let's go back. That's all right. You can get excited. Let's go. Oh, my heavens. Aren't you just a... Come back. Please, you, come back here. Come, we want you over here. I don't know what's going on. Oh, there it is. I don't know where I am. Okay, that's it, right? Oh, no, I I went too far. Okay, so check this out. So it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. You all ready to be tripped out for a moment? If you don't get anything else, get this, because this is going to trip you out. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, I have read this the same way my entire life and other scriptures like it. It does not say, in my knowledge of God. That's the way we read it. Anybody alive? It does not say, in my knowledge of God. And if you actually look at the Greek, you'll realize it has nothing to do with my knowledge of God. 
Let me read this to you. Some of you are like, this is baloney. Go research it yourself, all right? <laughs> the knowledge of God is not our knowledge of him. It is God's knowledge of us. Amen. Think about that. If I say, if I say Daniel, this is Daniel too. If I say in Daniel's knowledge or the knowledge of Daniel, you don't know if I'm saying my knowledge of Daniel or Daniel's knowledge, Right? Do you get that for a moment here? But we've automatically assumed that it has to do with our ability to understand God. And if God pours out his grace and peace upon me based on my knowledge of him, we are in rebel. I don't know how we got this so messed up. It's like, the more I know God, the more his grace and peace will be multiplied in my life. No, his grace and peace are multiplied in your life because of his knowledge of you, not because of your knowledge of him. How cool is that? I know it's Wednesday night. You're not supposed to get excited. But how cool is that? God's knowledge of you is what motivates him to pour out his peace and grace upon you. Which means, shocker, he likes you. He wants you to have his grace and peace. You know when we sing at the top of our lungs, I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you gave your love for me. And then I go to the car and I'm like, Lord, how can I earn your love again? How can I earn your grace and peace in my life, Lord? I read a book, Five Steps to Peace with God. I'm, going, I, I, I'm on step three, I still feel miserable, but I'm just going to do it all the way to five steps. The keto diet for five steps of peace. All right? This is how the paradigm of Christianity has, has developed, where it's all about, if I want this, then I create this in my life. And if I want this, I become disciplined in this area. And if I want this, I'm going to read my Bible. If I want this, I'm going to pray. If I want grace, you know, I've got to make sure that I'm devoted to him. And if I want peace in my life, I need to rest in his, his word. And he's like, is this a relationship or... Do you want to spend time with me? Do you want to read your Bible? Do you want to know what my word has to say? Do you want to spend time hearing my voice? Do you want to spend time talking to me? What is this about? Is this a relationship or is this some sort of duty that you've created inside of you because you think that's the way I work? You think this is a give and take. You think that you get what you earn, not what you didn't earn. You think that my son came to provide all this for you and then I'm going to let you earn it again? It doesn't work that way. It's the exact opposite. Here's the deal. God is madly in love with you. He loves you. He likes you. He wants to be kind towards you. He's good to you. He wants to pour himself out on you because of his knowledge of you. He actually looked you up. He likes you. He doesn't see your mistake anymore. He actually looks through the lens of Jesus and sees a justified son and daughter. He sees somebody who is righteous and holy before him because of his son. He no longer looks at you that way. Come on. That's crazy. When you read that, it is God's knowledge of us. The knowledge of God is God's knowledge for us. So he thinks about you and he's like, here's more grace. Here's more peace. Let it be multiplied in your life. You're like, have you seen the mess I am lately, Lord? And he's like, yeah, I've looked down, but all I can see is what Jesus did. All I can see is through the lens of what Jesus did. When this, listen, 
I'm going to end with this because it's getting late. When this connection begins to happen in your brain and in your heart, and you realize that if you become convinced that God is not out to get you, but he's out to find you because he wants to pour his love and goodness upon you, and if you begin to become convinced that he's kind and he's good, and if you begin to convince that, and then your head becomes convinced of it, and then you experience it, and these two things come together in union, his word for what he said, we become persuaded that he is persuaded for us and that his goodness is available for us. And we realize he no longer sees us for the mess we are, but he sees us through the lens of Jesus. And we combine that with actually tasting and seeing and experiencing the goodness and kindness and grace of God in our life. And those things come together. Oh, watch out. You're going to have some menopause and symptoms up in here. All right. You're not going to know what to do with yourself because your heart is going to begin to come to life. You're going to come to me you're gonna say it's happening what do I do and I was like listen the medication is not gonna help I already tried it all right I'm telling you you become convinced of this your heart will come alive like never before you could be in God for 40 years and your life will never be the same when you allow your experience to actually be combined with what he says about you. His word. You know, some, I, I'm not anti-old school. I'm just anti-condemnation and law. Come on. I'm anti what it produces in people's lives, beating them down, making them realize they just, you just, you're a mess. You're a sinner. Just a sinner at the altar. And God's like, I don't see you that way anymore. I see you as righteous and justified. Because when you receive Jesus, you receive justification. No wonder our hearts are so shut down. We're walking around with this false idea of what God thinks about us and who he is in our lives. No wonder we walk around so beat up all the time. Parts of our hearts going dormant and tired and... Time for your, it's time for your heart to beat again. It's time for your heart to come alive. It's time for the hidden secret places of your heart to be opened up again. Because if you, the, the big thing is this, as I thought about it, I realized it all comes back to trust. And I fall more in love and open up, become more vulnerable with my heart as I trust somebody and trust comes from when they do what they say when I experience what their word has said to me. And this picture is a perfect recipe, if you will, for building trust between you and God or you and anybody else where you experience what they said they felt about you. And so you have to know what he said about you. And then you have to put yourself in a position to experience it. See, what we did up here, singing those crazy songs, that's just an environment where you can experience what he says about you. So we say in the word of God and we sing about his love and we sing about that he would leave the 99 to come after you and we sing about that you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it. But man, you find yourself in a mess having messed up really bad and screwed something up in your life and you know what you deserve and you know what you earned and you know what you got coming to you and you feel the love of God come down and look you in the eyes and call you son Hallelujah. and you experience what you've learned in the word 
and you say, Lord, you can have any part of my heart. The places I've cut you out of and shut you out of, I'm opening up. And so it feels like your heart's expanding. But really, it's just allowing your heart, that new heart that God gave you in Jesus, to come fully alive to who he is. Does this make sense tonight? If it doesn't, we already got your money, so... email Daniel Milks and he'll send it back to you, all right? Hey, let's bow our heads right where you are if we can. Is this good tonight? All right. That's all I wanted to hear. Father, we thank you for this message tonight. Thank you for your word poured out. Thank you that you, um, God, as we've dug deeper into these scriptures tonight, we went deep tonight, but Lord, we're seeing, we're seeing what you're saying. We're experiencing what you're saying. Thank you that you've poured this out to us. Thank you that your goodness is overwhelming. Thank you that God, you no longer see us for the mess we have been or are. You see us through the lens of Jesus. I thank you that tonight some people are just, they're doing a little cardiology. They're looking into their heart and saying, hey, where's some places, some hidden things? I haven't allowed people or God or things to ever enter into. May we be a people that live life full-hearted, totally, totally with our entire hearts alive. Thank you tonight. Bless your people tonight as they go. God, we're just ready for just outpouring from heaven on Sunday. In Jesus' name. And everybody says? Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.